helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now today I am thrilled to introduce our guests, Ron Melmud and Caroline Bliss Larson, who will be talking with us about ST4 Mindfulness Series for Children, which includes their latest book, Marvin's Monster Diary 3, and so much more. So welcome, Ron and Caroline. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's a joy. So before we launch into Marvin's Monster Diary 3, tell us about this series that you have for children. Well, the series is um, named SD4 Mindfulness Series for Children. So basically, the, um, the purpose of the series is to engage children into their own world to make them more aware of how they function to allow them to be the boss of their bodies to be allow them to be aware of who they are and what they are doing in short to be mindful so we're trying to help children in a very practical way be mindful be aware of what's going on around them now the 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 technique that's used throughout the book is st4 it's the SD4 Mindfulness Series. SD4 stands for, wait for it, it's a formula like H2O or CO2 for carbon dioxide. SD4 is stop, that's the S. Take time to think. That's the four T's. And when we put them together, SD4, and we encourage children in different situations, whether they're angry, whether they're disappointed, whether they're embarrassed, whether they stressed out to stop, take time to think. Once they do that, once they're able to take their actions out of their gut and into their brain and think about their behaviors, it makes so much difference. It allows for mindful behavior, which we think goes such a long way to helping children really succeed. And I love that because you make it so simple. You break it down into who, you know, what children or child would not be able to follow that, right? Stop, take time to think. I can think of a lot of adults who would benefit from that idea as well. <laughs> Myself included. <laughs> Me also. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's in a frame story of, um, you know, fun, punny monsters. And so, um, the idea is to make these tools very accessible to kids uh, through that kind of story. So the monsters, tell us about the monsters for, so we can envision the books. I've had the treat of seeing, you know, actually seeing the illustrations. But why monsters? Why wouldn't that be scary for children? Well, we know we find that um, that it's a lot more difficult for, uh, to depersonalize different situations. When parents tell children what to do, sometimes all, that, the, all the child hears is blah, 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 blah. The children don't really take it very seriously. When a peer 
would help them understand or teach them something new or if they watch a peer acting differently on the playground or in different situations, they might accept that kind of advice that much more readily. Now, if an avatar such as a monster or if a rock star or if a, a, a sports star would tell them, hey, try this, this really makes sense, this really works, children will be able to read that and say, well, if it helps them, it's very likely to help me too. So it makes it, as what Caroline says, that much more acceptable and that's much more accessible. And we found that all kids love monsters. Now, sometimes they might refer them to, to them as ninjas, or sometimes they might refer to them as superheroes. So we've at least began the series utilizing the monster theme. And boy, has our illustrator taken off on that. And so it sounds as though they are endearing monsters that children can really identify with and see their own problems through the eyes and the situations that the monsters encounter. Exactly. Now, not that these are lovable, huggable, soft monsters who are all mushy and vanilla-like. No, they are certainly fun and they're certainly approachable and friendly but they have a certain edge to them in the way they look. They are, after all, monsters. So there's definitely that aspect to them as well. They have human qualities, they've got a sense of humor, they have compassion, and they have the same kinds of challenges in their day-to-day -day monster life as kids, whether they're typical or special needs or ADHD or anything else, having theirs. You know, the characters, even though they're monsters, we want to make them feel relatable and feel human because, you know, if they were too different, then these kids wouldn't be able to relate to them. But as Ron said, you know, they have to feel like peers so that when they are kind of giving these ideas to kids about how to manage their emotions or their behavior or whatever, um, then it feels relatable. And so, and we also don't want these books to sound preachy. And I think that's kind of the main technique I've tried to take in writing the characters is make the characters feel real, feel flawed, they have the same kind of struggles and challenges as regular kids do. And I really love that approach because, as Ron was saying, when it's a peer talking to a peer, right, a monster talking to another monster, rather than an authoritative figure, it can, a child must be able to embrace that so much more readily and in a more understandable way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, the, the importance of peer interaction, and we're all experiencing that now so much at the time of COVID, is cannot be underestimated. It is so very important. By the age of five or six or seven or eight, and certainly by nine, children have learned almost all they can from their parents. They understand what their parents and the family values are. Now it's time to practice those skills and to start learning from others. And that's why children in the age group that we are trying to focus on so much enjoy having other children their age or other monsters their age for that matter, teach them the skills that they need to learn. Mm. And so with the different books, can you talk about each book briefly in this series? Well, you know, I have two passions in my clinical work as a developmental pediatrician. One is ADHD and one is autism. 
Um, now, we try, to, we try to stay away from labels, which can often be pretty sticky when talking about these problems. So the problems that we address through the series are not only problems of children with any kind of special needs or exceptionalities, but are typical children who have every single day-to-day -day problems. Difficulties with completing their work, sometimes getting worried, sometimes having nightmares, sometimes getting too angry with their brother or sister or parent or friend, and sometimes not being sure if they really are that much accepted by their friends. And certainly they hear their parents all the time moan and groan, you're spending too much on the screen, go outside, play a game, do something different. <laughs> but for heaven's sake, turn off those screens. It's just driving me nuts. We hear that constantly in our practice with parents coming into the office. So these are the kinds of problems that we're talking about. The typical problems of typical peers happening, happening on a regular basis. However, I'm also concerned that we don't use pejorative terms and sometimes ADHD can be a swear word, but sometimes it can be an incredibly good way, a kind of a lens through which to focus on individual differences. That's why I like the concept of it. Because growing up back in the, in, the, in the 50s, in the 60s, or the 70s even, when children would misbehave, they were labeled lazy, or crazy, or stupid, or dumb, or something very negative. And those kids' self-esteem was obviously just down the tubes. Now we can understand more specifically, what are the issues involved? When we get an angry child, for example, who, and, and one of our children, Lissa, has a lot of problems. One of the monsters, her name is Lissa, has a lot of difficulties with her anger. And we look just below the surface of the anger and we see, well, it might be a consequence of stress or it might mm. be a consequence of problems within the home or it might be because she feels shunned and unaccepted because she's different in some kind of way and gets picked upon and even bullied. So before we jump to any conclusions, we just like to look at children in a very holistic way and understand the homes that they come from, how they experience school, how they experience their social interaction, how they're managing behavior and how they're managing stress. Putting all that together, we try to then clothe it in a fun story, which Caroline does such a great job doing to make it palatable, interesting, edgy, humorous, and exciting that the kids will really be engaged. And when we hear stories from, children, from parents saying, this is the first book my kid has ever sat and read and actually finished, <laughs> well then, our heart sings. Uh, and that's wonderful to really hear you formulate it that way, that it energizes the child to be involved in his or her own self-development journey. And I'm wondering, Caroline, this one's for you. How often do you see the parents getting intrigued by the subject matter and learning from what their kids are reading? Um, I've really enjoyed, um, so I've, I've uh, sold some of our books at some conferences before all of this COVID stuff. <laughs> um, and it's really so satisfying and just makes my day when I'm, you know, sitting there and then a parent comes by and they say, ADHD, huh? I think my kid might have ADHD. And they stop and they're looking at the book and we're talking about it and talk about kind of the concept behind the series. And um, just to see them like light up and get so excited. They're like, oh, I... 
my child needs to read this. And I think they will think it's so fun too. Like these illustrations are so darling. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's really so exciting to see parents get really excited about, about the tools. And a lot of times when I talk about them, I say, you know, ST4, I use it in my life too, as a, you know, a 28 year old woman, like I'm, I find it helpful. These are great tools and um, I'm excited to teach them to my kids one day. And um, yeah, I, it's, it's really, that's one of the most uh, rewarding moments I think in this journey is seeing people get so excited about it. Or if, if not parents, sometimes, you know, a close friend of mine will say, Oh, my nephew would love this book or, you know, my cousin would love this. It's, it's very exciting. And that's, I think that's so fabulous to know that you're making a difference for parents and children. And mm -hmm. Ron, for you, do you ever notice that a parent, as a result of reading the book with their child or reading it on their own, that the parent has more understanding of what their child is facing and thus more empathy, maybe more tolerance and patience? Does that come up often? Well, you know, Parents do a great job in recognizing troubling behaviors in their children. They do a great job in recognizing aggressive behaviors, hyperactivity, what I call externalizing behaviors, behaviors that you can see. Parents are not very good though, interestingly enough, in identifying the internalizing behaviors that children experience. So if I would ask an average uh, parent in my office, does your child ever worry um, and have stress? They'd say, Doc, are you kidding? My kid, <laughs> they just mm. go with the flow. There's, they don't have any of that kind of stuff. And I would turn immediately to the child at that point and is there, uh, ask them, is there any stuff that you worry about? Is there ever a time that you get scared about things that you feel anxious? And the kid invariably will say, yes, yes, of I do. Course. And the parent will say, what are you talking about? You never told me that. And the kid might say out of the mouths of babes, well, you didn't ask me. And then the child would say, I worry about you and dad fighting. I worry about the teachers being so mean to me at school. I worry about whether I'm going to have any friends. Uh, I worry about dad losing his job. And it is amazing what comes out. Now, children in general don't externalize their feelings, though. They don't, they externalizing behaviors yet. So when they're feeling anxious and stressed inside, they are more likely to have stomach aches, have headaches leg aches, have difficulty in sleeping, not eating right. So they're much more likely to what we call somaticize their symptomatology rather than saying to mommy waking up one day uh, during, during times when they have to Zoom the whole day saying, I'm feeling really stressed out about this. We want to include children in their own treatment, in their own self-awareness. We want to make children be the boss of their bodies 
children love to be in charge. And it's not just academic, and it's not just being politically correct. Because if you include a child and put them front and center into any kind of treatment program, whether they're going to be using medications or diets or anything else, but if you let the child know that they are responsible for whatever goes in their mouth and what comes out of their mouth, and they're responsible for their bodies, you're going to be streets ahead, not only now, but in the future, in creating warm and loving and compassionate and effective adults. You know, um, and giving the children tools for their toolbox in whichever area we actually happen to focus on in that particular book, and we've had lots and lots of different kinds of tools. But if you have a tool, you're likely to use it. You know, I always think about there's so many parents and adults that I speak to will say, what do you do when you're stressed? And they'll often say something that they learned when they were two or three or five years old from one of their parents. They might have learned a mantra or a quick prayer or um, some holy word, and that word comes back to them because it's a tool that they know that they can recognize and it'll take them into a comforting place and they'll utilize it. It makes a difference. I tell the kids, and I do it for myself because I practice all of these things. I try to practice them on a day-to-day -day basis. It's part of my practice. It's miraculous and magical how well these tools actually work. When you count to five or count to 10 before losing it on the freeway, when somebody whizzes by you and almost cuts you off and sends you off into the side of the, of the freeway, if you count to five and say, ah, and you respond appropriately, you feel like a mature, grown-up person with all the skills in the world. What a great feeling compared to shouting an obscenity out of the window and making everyone in the car feel absolutely miserable by your action. It does make a difference. It's, it can be amazing and even miraculous. And I love how you put it into such simple terms. So as we conclude our time together, what are a few key points that you'd like readers to take away from this last book in your series? Well, um, I'll just lead off here, Caroline. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that as parents, and there is a section at the back of each of books for parents about what they can do. Um, you know, we need to model so many of these behaviors. We need to practice stress management ourselves if we wish our children to do that. We need to tame our phones and tame the amount of television we're watching and the amount of news bulletins that we're consuming if we want our children to be able to do the same. Our parents more than ever, now that we so many parents are at home with their children, are going to be looked at very carefully by their children. And children are going to talk about in 20 and 40 and, and 60 years time, they're going to be looking back at this time of COVID and they say, they're going to say, our parents were absolutely amazing. We learned so much from our parents, we realized they weren't the dummies we always thought that they were. They had so many ways of teaching us. So yes, we need to practice this ourselves. And as parents, I think we have to recognize that we know a lot more than we think we do. We have all of this inside of ourselves. It's a matter of actualizing it and reminding ourselves. So reading these books together with your children is absolutely important. Looking at the parent section and and, and, and being a role model, 
practicing what, what we preach is so important, and especially stress management. Our children copy how our parents how manage their stress. How children focus and complete work, they, what, they copy and they emulate and they simulate what their parents do. So be a good, good role model. Our children are going to be so proud of us. The thing that I hope that kids take away from the book series is that they become more empathetic. Um, that's one of my favorite things about our main character, Marvin, um, especially in our latest book, Trouble with Friends. He is the only one in the summer camp who wants to be friends with this new kid who is kind of misunderstood, but also who's, you know, a, a little bit uh, socially unaware. He's a little bit obnoxious. He's not very courteous. He, he speaks his mind a little too freely. Um, but I, I love that Marvin, he just, he thinks Joey is very funny and has no problem spending time with him. And um, he's the only person willing to be friends with this new kid. And um, slowly people start to come around when Marvin helps them see the good in Joey, who's this character. And that's, that's a pattern that I, that I think we see in all of these books is that um, kids learning to be more inclusive of their friends and um, to try to understand people who maybe they don't feel like they understand, but, you know, being more willing to give them a chance. And I'm hoping that message, that same message will come out in our um, book that we're currently working on, on bullying. Uh, and so important always to be tolerant, but especially now, right, really working on, and it sounds like Joey's a little rough around the edges, right, and yes. a little different, <laughs> right, and, and to yes. learn to be tolerant and respectful of others. The message, um, the messages in your books are just phenomenal, and I so appreciate the books and what they will and do bring to children to teachers to parents to the world i i so appreciate that and i thank you both so much for sharing your time with me today it's been such a pleasure where can our guests find you ron and then carolyn um our website is www.melmetcenter.com and um and um, that's this, the, uh, the center that we have for addressing the developmental and behavioral needs of children and adults. And certainly our books are available through Familius and on Amazon.com. And um, we look forward to, to, to sharing our message. And Ron, would you spell that website for the listeners, please? So www, that's, um, let me see, www, that's, <laughs> that's the, easiest, the easiest spelling word I ever had. Um, so dot Melmed Center, M-E-L-M-E-D, Melmed Center, C-E-N-T-E-R, dot com. We're in um, Scottsdale, Arizona, um, where the temperature today for the first time in uh, six weeks has dropped below 100. Oh, Excellent. Oh, no. <laughs> Excellent to get it down so under 100. And, and then the spelling on Ron's name is R-A-U-N. Ron Luckin Sean. And Melmed is the last name, M-E-L-M-E-D. It's same as the um, Melmed Center. And Caroline, um, where can guests find you? Where can listeners find you? Sure. Um, CarolineBlissLarson.com. So that's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, like sweet Caroline. <laughs> Bliss, as in peace and happiness. <laughs> Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N. So CarolineBlissLarson.com. 
Um, there's information about our books on there. Um, also a bit of information about me. Um, I'm an editor um, by day, so there's information on that as well. Um, our books can be found, as Ron said, uh, through Familius on Amazon. Also, uh, most independent bookstores ca carry it as well. And so you can, um, and if they don't have it on their shelves, they can likely order it in for you and through bookshop.org as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your time. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you'd choose a book from Familius Publishing, such as the lovely books we discussed today, including Marvin's Monster Diary 3. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together, 